0: All right, well, let's go to God's word as today we're going to finish up a three week series that we've called the books living with eternity in mind. Now, some of you really didn't think that I could do only a three week series. So I'm going to prove you wrong today. If you're new, you're like, what is he talking about? Well, just last year alone, we spent 24 weeks in the book of Ephesians, 55 weeks in Mark. And so I've been known to do some long series, but we're going to finish this series up today. In this series, we're studying what the Bible has to say about three very unique books that will shape your eternity, books that will determine where you spend it and how you will spend it. And those three books are the Lamb's Book of Life, the Book of You, and the Bible. Now, we've already talked about the Lamb's Book of Life in this series. That book contains all the names of those who have put their faith in Jesus, for the forgiveness of their sins. We've talked about how you must have your name written in that book in order to spend all of eternity with God. That's why Jesus is so important to your life. Last week, we talked about the book of you. And we talked about how every single person who ever lived in the history of the world is going to stand before Jesus one day. And the book about how they live their life is going to be opened and Jesus will judge each person according to what was written in that book and how they lived out their life in this world. But we learn that the judgment for the non-Christian and the Christian will be vastly different. Non-Christians will be judged for their sin and condemned to eternal death to pay the price of those sins. The Christian, on the other hand, the judgment is going to be different The Christian's judgment will not be a judgment for the condemnation of sin because we have Jesus in our life. And if we have Jesus in our life, that means our sins, past, present, and future have already been forgiven. How many are thankful for that? Instead, when the Christian stands before Jesus to be judged, it will be to to, to determine what rewards and responsibilities they will receive in the kingdom of God. And it will all be based on how they lived for God in this world after they became a Christian. And we talked about that in detail last week. If you missed, you can go to our Facebook, you go to our YouTube or our website and get caught up on those messages. Now, here's the thing, and it's what we're going to talk about today. If you know one day that you're going to stand before Jesus to be judged, it then makes sense that you would want to be ready for that day. Amen? How many of you want to be ready? You want to be ready for something that you know is coming. Well, God has left us a very special book to help us be prepared for that day. It's called the Bible. And in it, you have all the answers to the final exam. How many are thankful when you take a course or a study, it's good to have the answer know what the, what's going to be on the test before you get there? Amen. God has given you the Bible to know what the answers to the final exam are gonna be. Now, many of us think about the Bible, I think, only in terms of, well, what can I find in it that's gonna help me through this life? And certainly, listen, God has given us the Bible to help us in this life, to minister to us, to, to encourage us, certainly that's true. But Do you understand God has also given us the Bible to help prepare us for eternity? For the day, for when we stand before Jesus to be judged, listen, our lives are going to be judged according to how we lived out the word of God in this life. And so my goal this morning is to hopefully motivate you to spend more time with the word of God in your life. To make it more of a priority than it maybe is right now in your life. Because here's the deal, your, your faith or lack of faith to believe what the Bible said is going to shape your eternity, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. Your knowing it and applying it will determine the rewards and responsibilities that Jesus will give you as a Christian when you stand before him and the book of you is opened. It all comes down to what did you do with the word of God in this life? What did you do with your Bible? So let's go ahead and talk about it. You know, the Bible is actually a collection of 66 different books, 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, and it was written by over 40 authors over a 1600 year period of time. And what's interesting is if you do a little survey, you find that it was written by fishermen and farmers, by the educated and the uneducated, by priests and prophets and kings, and peasants and shepherds to name a few and the Bible holds the record for being the most sold and distributed book in all of human history listen to this statistic since 1815 over 5 billion copies have been sold and distributed As of 2020, the full Bible has been translated into 704 languages. The New Testament has been translated into 1,551 languages, and parts of the Bible have been translated into 1,160 additional languages. According to George Barna Research, listen to this, the average American, we're not just talking about Christians, but the average American has 3.5 Bibles laying around somewhere. Now, that doesn't even include the apps that we can now have. How many have a Bible app on your phone? How many have more than one Bible app on your phone? So that statistic seems to be bearing out even in apps. Now, here's the deal. You go on to look at the research further. He says average American has 3.5 Bibles, but only 11% of them claim to read it on a daily basis. Only 9% read it once a week outside of a church service, 8% only once a year. And what you will find is people across the board have different attitudes about the bible some people say well you know the bible is just a book nothing more nothing less just a book written by men over time and so that's the attitude some people have about the bible others say the bible is a very it's an important book it has some good things to say it has some good moral things to teach we probably should read it so many people say, hey, it's an important book, then there are those who say the Bible is the book. It's so important to them that it shapes their worldview and their beliefs. And in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, they live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's everything to them. Their life is literally centered around it, and it, and, and their life is formed and shaped by the Bible. Listen, if you're going to be properly prepared for the day when you stand before Jesus to be judged, then you must make the Bible the most important book in your life. In fact, it's got to be more than just an important book. It has to be the most important pursuit in your life. Now, to help you better understand why, I want you to see what the Apostle Paul had to say to a young pastor named Timothy that, that Paul was writing instructions to. We're gonna to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Let's go ahead and read it. Paul writes this to Timothy. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the, watch this, holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is, pro- and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, with the rest of our time together this morning, I want to draw your attention to four things about the Bible from this text. First thing I want you to notice I want you to notice the Bible's designation. Number one, the Bible's designation. Notice that twice in this text, the Bible is called something. It's called scripture. Look at verse 15. From childhood, you have known the holy scriptures. There's that word. Then again in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, that word scripture there in the original Greek language that the Bible was written in is the Greek word graphe, and you might remember this word when we were in Ephesians, and we talked about the sort of the Spirit. How many remember that? So, this word graphe that's used here means a writing as in the written word of God. That's what it's referring to in this text. So, understand, Paul calls what we now call the Bible the written word of God. So, think about this. God didn't just think his message... He didn't just speak it and that was it. He had it wrote down for us. Yes. He graphed it. He plotted it out on paper. In fact, grapha—that Greek word—is where we get our English word "graph" from. God saw to it that His word was written down in human language. Yes. Now, at the time that Paul was writing this to Timothy, the only Bible there was was the Old Testament. The same 39 books that you and I have in our Bible today. The New Testament was just in the process of being formed. In fact, when Paul was writing his letter to Timothy here, you got to understand, just like the other writers of Scripture, he had no clue that he was writing what would become considered Scripture. He's just writing to a pastor. He's just trying to encourage him in the Lord. He has no clue that this is going to become part part of the day or the written word of God. 3,000 times in your Old Testament, it claims to speak with the authority of God. You see phrases like the word of the Lord said, thus says the Lord, I God almighty tell you in the New Testament, listen to this, you find 320 quotations, direct quotations of the Old Testament, another 1,000 inferences to the Old Testament. So what I want you to clearly understand is the New Testament clearly saw the Old Testament as the written, the the graphe, holy word of God. The Christians in Paul's day saw the Old Testament as the holy scripture. And as time went on, the early Christians, the early church fathers, and the early church began to see what we now call the New Testament as the holy written word of God. In fact did you know that there is even evidence that peter remember peter the peter the same disciple one of the disciples of jesus the peter who denied jesus three times uh the 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 same peter that ended up dying on a cross upside down for his faith in jesus as he was sharing it around the world after the resurrection that very same peter even in his day considered a lot of paul's writings to be on par with scripture i'm going to show you this second peter chapter 3 verse 15 through 16 and these guys knew one another watch this and remember our lord's patience gives people time to be saved how many are thankful for that this is what our beloved brother paul also wrote to you with the wisdom god gave him where did paul get his wisdom from from god speaking of these things in all of his letters see that some of his comments are hard to understand. Boy, Peter, you can say that again. I mean, I've read Paul and you're like, what is he talking about, right? I spend hours trying to get that figured out to, to teach to you. So some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different. Watch this. Just as they do with other parts of what? Scripture. Scripture. Now that's interesting because what is he doing there? He puts Paul's letters on the same level as Scripture. He recognized them to be the Word of God, get this, in written form. So what you find is this. When you put the Old Testament and New Testament together, you have to understand they go, to, they go together like a hand in a glove, like two pieces of a puzzle. They're like thunder and lightning. They're like east and west. Those two, two, two divisions of the written word of God go together. One predict, predicts and anticipates the other. A good way to put it is this, an early church father in the fourth century named Augustine put it this way. The New Testament is in the Old Testament contained and the Old Testament is in the New Testament explained. That's why both the Old and New Testament are considered to be the authoritative word of God. In fact, I would say this. The Old Testament proves the New Testament is from God, and the New Testament proves the Old Testament is from God when you study it and understand it properly. Now, think about this. Wouldn't it make sense that if God is a loving God, he would want us to know how we could spend eternity with him and how we could be prepared to stand before him in judgment? Amen? Well, he is a loving God. That's why he left us a guidebook behind, not only to help us, but also to prepare us to be with him for all of eternity. It's called the Bible. It's the graphe. It's the word of God in written form. It's the word of God plotted down in human form language. How many are thankful that God did that for us? So I want you to understand it's not just a book. It's not just a good book. It's the book. So that's the Bible's designation. It's considered holy scripture. It's holy graphe. That brings me to the second thing I want you to observe (laughs) from this text this morning. Let's call this the Bible's inspiration. Paul says this in verse 16, All scripture is given by, here's the word, inspiration of God. Now, that word uh, inspiration, it's the Greek word theonumatos, and it literally means God breathed. Now, we're studying our main text out of the new King James Version Bible this morning, but look how the NIV translation of the Bible puts this verse, because I think it's the best way to translate it. All scripture is what? God God breathed. So here's what this is telling us. The scriptures, the written scriptures, are a direct result of God breathing out through men. Do you understand That's, that's how the Old Testament and the New Testament came to be? God inspired men and those men wrote down that inspiration. And listen, that shouldn't surprise you because everything God gets accomplished in this world, he does through his people. Do you realize that? He he moves through his people. We're all different instruments of God that he he breathes through in unique ways that we would glorify him in this world. God has always worked his plan through men. It shouldn't surprise you that that's how the Bible came to be. Let me take you to Hebrews chapter one because I I want you to understand how God spoke in the past, how he spoke is speaking now and how all this goes together. Hebrews chapter one, verse one through two the writer writes this God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets and in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the universe so we're talking about Jesus there so understand there are two ways that God spoke in the past to the fathers through the prophets and in these last days by his son Jesus So let's talk about the the past for a second. In the past, talking about Old Testament times, God spoke in various times and in various ways. Okay, how did he speak in Old Testament times? Well, in various times and various ways. Through the law of Moses, through the history of Israel, through poetry and prophecy. God spoke through visions and symbols and parables. He spoke through ceremonies and celebrations. When you, when you read in the Old Testament, these, these celebrations and ceremonies, there, there's a reason God is communicating to us things about who he is and who Jesus is and, and, and what his word is. Those are all ways that God has spoken to us. And even at times, God even spoke at times through audible voice from time to time in the Old Testament. So the writer of Hebrews says, that is how God spoke in, in past times. He, he, and he inspired men to write it down. So understand, it wasn't religious men sitting around saying, well, I think this would be good to write about. They were inspired by God to write it down. And then when Jesus came, you ready for this? God was speaking again. Yes. In fact, God was speaking in a unique way. Not only was God just speaking to man, you know what the Bible says in John 1? The word became flesh yes. and dwelt among us. The word of God became flesh. moved into our neighborhood and became like us right when jesus came god was speaking again so understand what you have in the new testament is a record of how god spoke through his son jesus men inspired by god wrote it down for us. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament scriptures breathed out by God through men, written down in human language. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. It says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through human, watch this, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, here's the thing that I want you to get about your Bible. God's written word, Okay, the 3.5 the 3. copies that you own, <laughs> the 3.5 apps that you have on your phone, have the very breath of God contained in them. This is why Hebrews chapter four says this about the Bible. They're not just dead words. There's there's power to them. Watch this. For the word of God is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So so here we're comparing the Bible to a double-edged sword because when, when you read it, it it, it, it digs deep, it, it's got power to divide between, between the attitudes and thoughts of the harp. So a, a sword can cut, but you know what also can cut? The wind. Have you ever been out in a cold wind and it just cuts you right to your core? Well, the word of God, when it blows on your life, can cut right through you and to you, right where you need it to do its work. How many many can testify, the word of God is alive? I mean, sometimes you're reading the Bible and you're like, I don't even know what what this chapter or this book's about, but there's this one verse here that spoke to me today. How many know what I'm talking about? Why? Because the word of God is alive and active. Now look at verse 13. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom, watch this, we must give an account. You see that the word of god here's the connection was given to prepare you for eternity you see that you're going to be judged according to what the double-edged sword you're going to be judged according to the breath of god when it breathes over the book of you what i want you to understand is this and this is why it's so important that you make your bible a priority there is power contained in the word of god why? Because the very breath of God is contained in those words. So let me give you a little illustration for just a moment. I just inspired this bloom. Right? And it now contains something powerful that I put in it. What is it? My breast. Well, the word of God is the same thing. Yeah. Your, your Bible, oh, sometimes people say, well, oh, God, I don't feel like God ever speaks to me. You need to get in your Bible. That's right. I don't feel like the power of God's working in my life. You need to get in your Bible yeah. because in your Bible is the very life breath of God. And when you open it up and you begin to read it and study it, you know what happens? You allow the release of God's power. to be released in your life when God's power is released in your life and you receive it that's when God can do powerful things in your life the only difference between this balloon and the word of God is this balloon runs out of power because I'm I'm just a human that blew into this but the word of God never runs out of breath it's eternal it keeps blowing and blowing and blowing Listen, the Bible will reveal to you where you're hitting the mark and where you're not hitting the mark because it contains the very breath of God. So the Holy Scripture, the Holy Written Word of God, is not just an inspired book. It's a divinely powerful inspired book. God breathed out His Word to be written down So that as you and I read it and study it and engage with it, his power can be released into our life. There's a third observation I want to make from our text this morning. I want to draw your attention to the Bible's revelation. Everybody say revelation. revelation. What does the Bible reveal to us? You know, a lot of times people look at the Bible and say, I don't get it. And there's weird things in it. And there's so many books. And you've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there's some weird stuff in Leviticus. How many would say amen to that? (laughs) And then like Peter, I don't know what Paul's saying. I don't get it, but I know it's from God. And and then there's revelation at the end. And there's all this stuff. Here's what you need to know. The Bible is one story that tells about God and his his plan to redeem us. From our sin it teaches us about God it teaches us about salvation so so there are two things that it reveals if you want to break it down this way number one salvation it tells us why we need salvation why because we need to be saved from our sin it tells us what can save us from our sin we need a Savior the one and only Son of God. There's nothing else that can save us from our sin but that Savior, it tells us why that is. It tells us why we must be saved through faith in Jesus and his work on the cross. It teaches us why he had to go to the cross to save us. That's the story of the Bible from cover to cover. Every bit of it reveals to us in one way or another how we can be saved through Jesus's work for us on the cross to spend eternity with God. So think about this all the prophecies, all the Old Testament laws, all the ceremonies and celebrations and the history of Israel all point to Jesus and our need for Jesus. Every bit of it points to Jesus and how we can be saved through Him. When you begin to understand that, the Bible will start to open up to you. You're going to go, I don't get that, but that's got to be about Jesus somehow. And then you learn and you go, oh, that's how that's about Jesus. That's how these Old Testament laws relate to Jesus that we we don't follow anymore. And how many are glad we don't have to follow some of those laws anymore because we have fulfillment in Jesus, amen? Do you understand the Bible tells us how we can get our name written in the Lamb's book of life? That's what Paul's saying here to Timothy. Look at this once again. And that from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able, watch this, to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Let me give you a little observation that that the Lord dropped in my spirit this week. And it's so true. The more that a person spends... In the word more time a person spends in the word of god the more they make it a priority in their life the more that you will find that they love jesus and the opposite is true the less that a christian makes the bible a priority in their life the less they're going to be in love with jesus why? Because when you spend time with God's word and you learn the wisdom that comes from what God did for you with salvation, you can't help but love Jesus more and more and more and more. Why? Because when you spend time in God's word, you're actually spending time with Jesus. Yes. This is why the Bible is so important. And you know what I've found? I've been a Christian for a long time. I'll be 47 next month. I've been a Christian for like 42 of those years. So I know this, I know how somebody is supposed to be saved, but when I study the Bible, I'm always finding new angles about salvation that I'm learning and going oh, in 40 years I never understood that or for, because the salvation is like a beautiful diamond. when you study it in the Bible, it, you, you, you turn it in the light and you see all these refractions and colors and so when you study salvation, you're going to fall more and more and more in love yeah. with Jesus the more that you find it and study it and make and, and learn it in the Bible. How many know what I'm talking about? Yes. So when you see somebody that's really in love with Jesus, I promise you they have made the God, word of God a priority in their life. It's just it, the correlation is there. The Bible will make you wise for salvation and it will help you understand just how much God loves you. Now, let me give you an example here. Of this and and um, I can we could spend years going over examples because there's so many of them I talked about how the Old Testament and the New Testament go together I want to show you this John chapter 3 let's start in the New Testament verse 14 through 16 words of Jesus he just got done talking to Nicodemus about how a person can spend eternity in heaven okay watch this and he says at the end of that talk with Nicodemus just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up. That's a reference to him going to the cross. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now here's the verse we all know. Watch this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Everybody's like, I know that part, but what's this about the snakes? You weren't one of those churches. No, we're not one of those churches. <laughs> Everybody relax. Jesus is referencing the Old Testament. There's a story in the Old Testament that is a picture that finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And you you find a lot of the ways that God dealt with his people in the Old Testament ended up being pictures or foreshadowed what would find their fulfillment in Jesus. So let me take you to Numbers chapter 21. Here's the scene. Children of Israel under the leadership of Moses on their way from slavery in Egypt to the promised land, they have sinned against the Holy God and God in his righteous judgment is judging them for their sin. Now watch this. He does it in a strange way. Watch this. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we have sinned again when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, now here's the, the Lord's plan to take away the curse of the, of the snake bite that was, that was leading to death. Watch this. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who was bitten can look at it and live. Notice anyone. You just got to look. That's right. You got to turn your attention. It, it, it's by faith, right? Mm-hmm. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when everyone was bitten by the snake and looked on the bronze lake, they lived. Now I know what you're thinking. That's why I don't read Old Testament. That's weird, pastor. <laughs> I know. It's a picture yes. of Jesus on the cross. Well, yes. Jesus on the cross became a curse for us. He took the curse of sin for us upon his shoulders so that we don't have to suffer the judgment of God for our sin, which is eternal death. Right. And it's by faith. And anyone who looks can be saved. By the way, this is where the medical community gets that, that, that cross with the snake on it. It comes from this story in the Bible. That's a story of how we would find healing for our sins for all of eternity. Everybody got that? the Bible will make you wise for salvation and it will teach you the plan of salvation. That's why you need to make it a priority. And the more you understand the plan of salvation, the more you're gonna fall in love with a God that loves you more than you can imagine. So the Bible reveals to us salvation. It makes us wise for salvation. Second, it reveals to us truth. Everybody say truth. Look Look at this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Now, when we hear the word doctrine in our mind, I think a lot of us get this like, idea of some kind of code or creed, and certainly doctrine could be in a code or creed, but it's, it's much more than that. That word doctrine here in the original Greek means instruction or teaching, and the context here is as it relates to what is true. So when we're talking about doctrine here, we're talking about the word of God is useful or profitable for teaching us what is truth why do we have a problem knowing what truth is because we live in a world full of lies our world lies to us our flesh lies to us the devil lies to us but god will never lie to us god always tells the, the, the truth. I love the way the New, New Living trans, translates this verse, New Living version of the Bible. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Listen, the written Word of God teaches us what a sin is and what a sin isn't. About what is right, and what is wrong about all the issues of life? It teaches us the truth about the world, the truth about the creation of the world, the truth about heaven and hell and who goes there, the truth about the past. It teaches us the truth about the future. It teaches us the truth about marriage. It teaches us the truth about everything in life. And it's God's desire that his word would renew our minds and so transform us from the inside out yes. to be more like Jesus, to bring glory to God in this world your mind has to be transformed. Why? Because it's always bombarded in this life with the corruption of this world. And I've said this before, you know, the the story of Christianity, the message of Christianity isn't God saying to people, hey, go clean yourself up and then come to me. No, that's not Christianity. Christianity is you come to me just as the way you are, mess and all, I'll clean you up through my son, Jesus, and then I'll go to work to transform you from the inside out as my word blows into your life and you receive that power. When you receive that power... God begins to transform you from glory to glory into the image of his son into something that glorifies him in this life, amen? Amen. Our minds have to be renewed because we live in a world system that's based on lies. This is why Jesus prayed this over you and me in John chapter 17, 17. He prayed this over everyone who would come to faith in him throughout human history. He's praying to God, he says, sanctify them, otherwise make them holy, God. By the what? Truth. And what does he say the truth is? Your word word is truth. Here's why the Bible needs to be the most important book in your life. Because the written word of God will put solid doctrine under your life to live on. You live off the doctrine of this world, it's shifting sand. You need the rock of God's word, a foundation that is strong to build your life on. Otherwise, when the wind and the waves come, it'll crash if it's not built on the rock. If it's built on the sand, it'll fall. Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 7. Now, this leads to one last final observation that I want you to notice from this text. Let's call this the Bible's application. You know, God's plan isn't that you would just read the Bible or own the Bible. His plan is, is that you would apply it In your life you would apply it to your life are you ready for this you would apply it through your life that you would allow the wind of god to blow through your life for his glory in this world so let's talk about the bible's application watch this verse 16 once again paul writes all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine talking about good solid truth for what's the next word reproof. You say, what's that? Conviction. How many of you have read the Bible and truth is now being blown in your life and you're like, mercy, God got me. You're right. You got me. When you allow truth to come into your life, when you allow the word of God, the better you know the word of God, the more sensitive you're going to be to the Holy Spirit speaking in your life. The reason some of us are so confused between the voice in the world and the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of our own human flesh is because we don't know the word of God well enough. We don't spend enough time in it. And the more you spend, you're gonna be so quick to go, that's the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, why does the Holy Spirit wanna convict you? It's not to beat you up. There's no condemnation anymore for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's to correct you, right? To get you back on the right path. So look at this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine or truth, for reproof, talking about conviction. Why? For correction. Yes. To get us back on the right path. But more than that, watch this, for instruction in righteousness. What is that? Living God's way, living the right way, living by truth. Why? Why? that the man of God may be complete. See, what does that mean? That we may be all that God desires and created us to be in Christ Jesus. Now, why does God want that? That we may be, watch this, thoroughly equipped or prepared for what? For every good work. God's got good works for you to do. You're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God had in mind for you to do before the foundation of the world. Now don't get confused. Everybody gets to heaven, not through good works, but through faith in Jesus. But you will be judged on your good works. And your rewards and responsibilities will be given out on how well did you live out the life that God created you for? How well did you do with the word of God in your life? Did you allow God to use you? Did you live a life that glorified God in this world? And when that happens and the book of you is open and and he looks and compares the book of you to his book, to the good book, to the Bible, and and he gives out rewards and responsibilities, he's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. So understand the progression here. Look at this. Good, solid truth in your life will allow you to hear the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, to make the corrections, so that you will be instructed in righteousness and equipped for every good work. This is why the Bible can't just be another book in your life. It's got to be more than an important book in your life. It needs to be the book in your life that is a priority, that your life centers around, because it's the guide that will prepare you not only to fulfill God's purposes for your life, but to prepare you for that day that you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Let me leave you with a visual if you will, maybe a visual parable about why your Bible is so important. Amy, Amy puts my PowerPoints together and she's like, what's with the sailboats? <laughs> I'm like, you just have to wait till service. I, I think this explains what type of Christians there are. The one boat over there, you might notice, in fact, both boats have a sail. Do you know what your, your Bible is? God's given you a sail to catch his wind. And, and you can't just own a sail and never open it. Because if that's you, all that's going to happen is you're going to be blown by the current of this world in all kinds of places that you'll go, that was a shipwreck and that was a shipwreck and I didn't really expect to end up here. But you didn't have your sail up to catch the power of God to direct your life. But when you make your Bible a priority, when you say, today I'm going to put the sail up. Today I'm, I'm going to put the sail up and we going to say, God, I need you to blow into my life and then I can make a decision with my rudder, right? God, I'm catching what you're saying. And we're going to go in that direction this is the difference between christians that get into their bible and christians that don't make it a priority make it the book in your life because let me tell you, once again you will stand in front of jesus in judgment one day and his love for you isn't going to be in question as a christian he loves you more than you can imagine but he's going to open the book of you what you did with his word and how you allowed it to blow into your life is going to determine your rewards and your responsibilities. Amen. Amen. So that's the books. (laughs) Lamb's book of life. Lamb's book of life, the book of you and the Bible and how they form your eternity. Aren't you thankful for the the gift of God's word? Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you and your loving kindness saw fit that when your word was spoken, that you, you grafted it, that you plotted it down, that it, we may read it and it may blow your power into our life to transform us and direct us and equip us for your very purposes for our life. Lord, we're thankful for that gift. Lord, I pray that we would leave here today as your people with a renewed commitment to be in your word and to make it such a priority in our life that we don't want to go a day without it. Lord, may your power and your wind blow fresh and anew, Lord, as we open up ourselves to your word and your direction. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we all said together, Amen. amen, amen. So. Here's the deal. Next week, next four weeks consecutive, you don't want to miss. We're going to do a study on the book of Jonah, okay? We're going to talk about the amazing grace of God. It's going to be a great series. I think God's got a lot to say to a lot of you. So join us next week for that. If you're here this morning and you need a prayer in your life for anything, we'll have our prayer partners up here ready to pray with you, ask the Lord to be with you. God bless you. If you need prayer, come. The rest of you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.